Yeah, those clients I was talking about earlier, I mean, that was their main thing, is just that their agent in six months had almost no communication with them. Right. Didn't tell them, didn't suggest, you know, like, I, it was just everything, everything. They, he just wasn't communicating. Yes. And that's the biggest that thing. That happens a lot. Yeah. Yes. Because, I mean, just like you said, if we have, like right now I have 12, 12 things active. And if that one person doesn't hear from me, they feel like I don't care about their listing. Yes. You yeah, know? that's exactly what they think. And you will lose that listing when it comes time to renew. Because we're in the time where listings are going to expire. Yeah. And listings are going to be canceled. You and know? if you're not willing to do the work, there's agents behind you, like buyers back in the old days, that are willing to do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're just there's hustlers out there, and they'll yeah. hustle more now. Like, I feel like I'm working harder now than I have in the last four or five years. We have to. You have to. Yeah. Um, Let me see. What's here's another question. What do you think is the biggest misbelief the general public might believe about agents or brokers that you would like to set the record straight? Ooh, good question. Whoever that was. Misbelief that the general public might believe about agents that you want to set the record straight? Hmm. <clears throat> I think the public really thinks we're just money-hungry people. I agree with that. Yeah. And that we get paid way too much and do nothing. Yes. And there's circumstances where I think that's actually legit. Especially when the market, when it was, when the market was crazy, that's, when the market was crazy, that has a lot of weight to it. Yeah, I, I, I really believe that. There was more greed in those two years than mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, money was everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah. But probably the biggest one, that's probably the biggest one, is they just, without thinking about it, that's probably the first one. And, and there's agents that are like that, successful agents that are like that now. And there's some that, like you, they just concentrate on the deal. Do you feel like people hate... Because I feel like there's a there's just an unhealthy amount of hatred toward agents yeah. from the general public. So do you think people hate us because of they perceive that we make way too much money mm-hmm. or because they've had a terrible experience with a terrible agent and yes. therefore they hate all agents? Yes, that, that's very true. Do you think true. it's both or yeah. do you think it's a th- second th- one mostly? I think that's true. I mean, because you know, you're associated with every real estate agent, good, bad, whatever. You're associated with them in, 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 the, in your job. So yeah, that's that's actually very accurate. And getting over that's tough sometimes. But once you, if if you get to where you're not that person, over over the course of several years, you, your your people know that. Like your clients will understand that you're not just trying to, whether they will or not. But like you're not just trying to make a quick buck off of them. Don't you feel like that's how you build the most loyal clients you've, had, that's how you've I ever have. seen? That's how I have. Is because they they've had terrible experiences and then they they do business with you and then they're like, yeah, oh my gosh, I never knew yeah. this and level of a service was even possible. B- bingo, because you're in the service business, right? Yeah, I, you know, and I've had agents tell or uh, clients say, you know, you told me not to buy that. Like well, I was ready to buy it, and he said, you told me not to buy it, and here's why I wouldn't buy it. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you buy a property, you got to think about how you can get out of that property if you need to get out of that property. When I show people, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm a CSI investigator when I walk into a house, and I probably like part of me says I shouldn't be pointing out every single bad thing, but then again, good, that's good. our job. So, so what I what I do personally is I, I used to walk in house. I don't like this house at all, and they love it. And you just they buy the house, and you're like, man, I told them it was a terrible house, and they bought it. I've done that back in the day, but when I go through there. You know, I, I try to read them a little bit. So I'll go through there. If I see things 
that they won't see because they're looking at the big picture. Right. I'll just make a mental note of it. And then when we go to talking about it, you know, once we get past the the quick, you know, 15-minute honeymoon stage, uh, and then they, man, we like it. We're, this is something we're probably going to do. I was like, all right, now let's take a look at this. Mm-hmm. I do it like that. Okay. And I don't do it inside the house. Oh, that's interesting. I never talk shop inside the house ever. Huh. Ever. So 10 years ago, a good friend of mine, he's a sound guy. For, he's a rodeo sound guy. Uh, he put a microphone in the plant on, on the kitchen table. Right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know he did that. Illegal, so, first of all. What's that? It's illegal, first of all. I didn't know it was illegal. It, one person has to be present and has knowledge that you're being recorded audio. Oh, I did know that. Yeah. I did, know, I did yeah. know. Anyway, he didn't do it. Okay. So he called and said, whatever, the, I'm going to make up the numbers up here because they'll go up to 250 but they're going to offer 200 I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I just listened to their entire conversation. Oh. Like, oh crap! And sure enough, offer came in at two hundred, and he counted two fifty, and they took it. So I, I, you know, you have to pretend. That makes uh, so. So basically, you're saying don't talk shop, don't talk about the deal. Don't talk about the deal. You can point out like you know the things that you th- see are wrong or okay, need to be okay. looked at by an inspector. Gotcha. But, or like saying, hey, like you know, talking about resale, this could hurt you in the future. Yeah, yeah. You can this say is, those kind of things. This is things people don't we'll, like about yeah, this type of layout. Yeah, when it talks about the deal, never yeah. do it inside the house. Yeah, never. Never do it inside the house. You never know where they have. You never know. I had clients one time put a GoPro hidden on the back of the refrigerator because they wanted to hear. Yeah. What people would say. Yeah, just pretend and you're being didn't. watched and listened to every single every single time you set foot in someone's house. Pretend. Well, eyes are on you. And the moment and you fine. see a ring doorbell, it's amazing what people say once they shut the door. Yes. Because they think, okay, well, now we're outside the house. But hello, there's a freaking ring doorbell right yeah. there. Yeah. Or who has a, a, an Alexa in the house? You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I forget gosh. about it now. I just always have for so long just assumed that you, I, I just forget about it. Until, you have to. Until they start, I mean, what do you think it'll take for this property or whatever? Then you're like, we need to talk outside. Yeah, or talk in the car. Let's go the sit in the car and yes. talk about it. Yeah. I'll call you as soon as we leave. Yeah, and it gives you a little bit of, I mean, it lets them know that it kind of it, it helps reinforce your, your buyer that you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. Like, oh, okay, I didn't think about that. And that you're protecting them. Bingo. Yeah. Which is what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Or you should be doing. Well, you should be doing. Yeah. 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 Uh, let me see what else we have for questions. Um No, we've already covered that. Give this on a group text. Yeah, my team. I said, hey, I'm, oh, cool. I'm, I'm interviewing a broker today. What, what kind of questions do you want to hear us talk about? Um, <clears throat> we talked about the most challenging thing that you're facing right now in the current market. And then, let's see. This other one said, um, are, you, are you having clients take advantage of the market being down? Are you encouraging people to buy with cash because of rates if they're able to? And do you think residential will ever get back to where it was in 2021? Yeah, so that's... That's, that's a lot of questions. A lot of questions, <laughs> but you know, it all depends on the person. When it talks about when you buy a house. Like, there's some people that want to get their cash out of the bank. They're just not comfortable with it in there. Yeah, banks are... It's a little scary right now. Yeah. A lot so, scary right now. So I've had clients just like, man, just find me a house for 400000 just to get... You know, they don't even... Some of them don't even care if it breaks even. You mm. know, they want it to at least break even in two years or whatever. Or when rates go, if rates come back down, you know, 5% or 4.5%, they'll just refi it, get their cash back out, and do a bonus depreciation on the home or whatever. So every one of them are different. 
you know, I think what, what's the what's the saying? You uh, marry the price, but date the rate. Yeah, you heard that. Yeah. yeah. So marry the house. Marry the house, date the rate. Sorry. Yeah. 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 But who knows? I mean, I, I've, one lender said that his CEO thought it could be in the sevens until twenty thirty. It could happen. Well, but no, no one knows. I think they know. They, no one has a clue. If that does happen. As with everything else, people will start to come around to the idea, right? Well, yeah, the, the market will the market will, will correct itself. Right, I exactly. Mean, the, the market will speak essentially. Prices need to come down a little bit. But they're inflated. They've been inflated for a while here locally. Yeah, yeah. especially since properties don't go up twenty five percent a year every year. That's just not how that works. Right. I mean, in a traditional and a market, I think it's four to six. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I wish I wish we had a crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. You know, because that would be. I would have bought a lot more investments. Younger. Right? With the low interest rates. Yeah. Yes. Over the past, in 2021, we should have bought 10 investment properties. Or 2018. I had too many yeah. kids in college. Yeah. <laughs> so I could, <laughs> I can only buy one. But, but it was our, my first one ever, so we were excited. Yeah. You know? It's, it's fun doing that. Yeah. Got, I'm, I'm not a major, I have a handful of investments, but I like doing that. If you won the lottery on the 8th, what was that, yesterday? Two days ago? Mm-hmm. Two days ago. If you woke up and you had suddenly $800 million in your bank account, where would you spend it? Good question. I mean, what, what would you invest in? in this current world? Would you be investing in multifamily? Would you be investing in farm and ranch and land? Would you be investing in businesses? Would you be building a giant pickleball facility for me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes to all that. <laughs> Now, I remember um, uh, Milt Bradford uh, from Weatherford, he, all, he told me, he said, you'll never buy land too high. Because you'll buy it too early, but you'll never buy it too high. Oh, that's an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think Will Rogers might have said that. But anyway, he t- I learned from Milt. And looking back at the land values in several markets over the last 10 years, yeah, he's right. I mean, obviously you're not making a cash-on-cash return. Just by buying raw land, but you can buy a lot of equity. I mean, it just depends on how patient your money is and what you want to do with it, right? But yeah, I think uh, I think ultimately, like, I'd probably get in more into multifamily because how you can set up the taxes on it, how you can appraise it, you know. Because when you get above above four doors, you get a five door plus complex, you can actually refinance it based on the income approach versus a comparable approach to value. Right. So it just changes, right? Right. So. Uh, Plus, when one of those doors goes up for whatever, it's vacant for a while, you're not hit. Yeah. Like yeah, you with are a, with a, with a, just one single family. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's advantages to everything. And, you know, there's not a, I don't think there's a perfect way to do it, but it's, it all depends on your comfort level. Some people just want to have 10. I have one client has 15 single doors for, for, that are just completely paid for. And that's all he wants. Yeah. He's like, I know I could do more with it. I could, I could shift it around and do different things and grow it because I don't want to. This is as easy for me, and this is how I want to live my life, and that's how we're going to do it. So nothing wrong with that. Would you retire if you won that? Good question. Because that's a lot of money. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's a good question. You talked about buying an RV. I the mean, that's... No. Yeah, so we, me and uh, our family went like six weeks last summer. We hung out in Montana, which is kind of a challenge you know coming back and forth and you know i had agents working with me and assistants it was it was hard to do but i learned really quick that slowing down and stopping is not for me I, yeah a, a greater truth has never been spoken right yeah. for people like us 
Like I am so much more efficient and razor focused the busier I am. I am too. I and mean, if, if I'm not busy, I'm just like, what the frick am I, what am I, do yeah, I do laundry I, today? I'm I don't, the exact same way. I do not like being busy. And it's just part of how, you don't how like I am You don't like not anyway. being busy. don't like not being busy. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's, uh, I just operate better that way. That's how my mind works. It's just always spinning. Like, Same. Yeah. So and that's just how we're built, which is good for us in the real estate business. It feeds into the business. Right. Because people like that succeed. Right. You know, I mean, so. We're constantly like thinking forward. What's next? What's next? What are we going to focus on? What? Yeah. You know. Always. What else should we do to be more successful or to help our clients yeah. or to and, help our agents? And that could, I'm 39 years old now. That could change when I'm 49. You're but. 39? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. Do you know how old I am? I just had a birthday. No, I don't. Guess. No. Guess. I, I know better than. I, no, be honest. It's fine. It's not. I, you're hurt. younger than me. I'm yeah. younger than you. Oh, you're not younger than me, bro. Remember when you got here and I told you my youngest kid was a senior oh, in high school? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I turned 48 last. Oh shit! Really? Last week. No, or, I, I really figured you were in your 40s. Ago. I was kidding. I figured you were in your 40s. Yeah. I didn't know you were 48. 48. That's crazy. Yeah. I hate it. Because your body starts to fall apart. Oh, it does. <laughs> I have advanced arthritis now. It sucks. <laughs> oh, wow. A lot to look forward to. How long have you and Katie been married? 16 years. Two kids? Yep. And what do you guys... So you go to Montana in the summers. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, my husband's calling me. Uh, so you go to Montana in the summers, but what's your favorite thing to do with a family? Like, is it is it going up into the mountains and getting away? Have yeah. you ever been to Sandpoint, Idaho? Sandpoint, no. You, you need to go to Lake Ponderay. Lake Ponderay. Yes. Put it on the list. It's one of the most beautiful. If if I was to win that, the first thing I would have done was to buy a vacation home on that lake. Really? It's probably one of the most beautiful lakes I've ever seen. Yeah, getting out of Texas in the summer is kind of a goal. God. Yeah. Can you believe the cracks in the ground right now? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. There's cracks on our land that are this yeah, wide. Yeah, mine too. Mine too. It's... We need rain yeah, so bad. When we left, of course, you know, my mentality has always been just more go, more go, just go, go, go. And that was, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about this on your podcast, but that was pretty much of a life-changing thing for me, getting away for, you know, five or six weeks last year. It, it really changed my perspective on a lot of things. You have to reset. Oh, in this business, you have to reset. Yeah. I mean, you have to reset. Like you can it, get so burnt out. You can, real quick. And yeah. things were going so nuts for so long. That's why I did that. Good. Like, I'm going to lose my shit if I don't get out of here for a while. Yeah, because you, know? you really feel like... And, and I lost quite a bit of business doing that. I lost some good listings, and it was just, but, it, you know, it was long-term as what I needed to do. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it changed my perspective on, like, do you really need to make those extra phone calls and do those extra things at 630 at night? No, 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 you don't. Right. Like, I mean, you're on your deathbed. I mean, I wish I would have made more phone calls. I have the hardest yeah. time turning it off too, and it's it's hard for my husband because mm-hmm. if I get a text, like for my brain, if I get a text and I don't respond, it can get pushed down in the text stream, and yeah. then I can forget to respond to that client. But if I'm having a conversation with my husband and I look away to the text, it will hurt his feelings because I'm it, it makes him feel unimportant. Yeah, and that balance is difficult sometimes. Yes, it is. It's uh, very difficult. 100%. And it's, it's hard for them to understand that, that kind of, at least for me, like that, that's how my brain works. Like on those days, sometimes our phones just don't turn off the, the text, the phone calls, like everything just keeps coming through. Mm-hmm. You're in an appointment, you come back to your car, you have 45 missed texts and th- five missed phone calls. Yeah. I'm, 
And it yes. takes time to go through those, and it's very stressful. It's tough. I mean, one, one trick I learned a long time ago was on my voicemails. Um, if, I, if I took care of that voicemail, I erased it. Yes, right. So right. usually at the end of the day, or at the end, you know, end of the day, I mean, five, six o'clock, whatever, like that thing better be empty unless I want to save one for something, right? Mm. Um, so that, that, that helped me a lot, just checking off for boxes of getting back to everybody. Uh, hard to do, but it, it's one thing I did. It helped me a lot. Otherwise, the worst thing in the world is you call a real estate agent or if you're in the real estate business and their mailbox is full. Oh my gosh, that's that, the already, that already tells you they're a mess. That or they don't ever call you back. They don't ever text you back. Yeah, happened a a lot. Tarrant County agents, I swear to God, they do not know how to answer their phone to have a conversation. Yeah. Like they will deny your phone call and text you and have no conversation with you the entire transaction. That's their culture over there. It is so frustrating. And what's crazy to me is I'll get an offer on a property without even talking to an agent. Right. So if I'm representing a buyer... I'm calling that buyer's agent every single time before it even hits. I just don't randomly send them an offer. Right. Because they could tell you something that you really need to know, good, bad, or indifferent, right. for your client. Right. So It could benefit your client. Quiz them up, ask them questions they're not supposed to answer, and they might answer them anyway. Right. I mean, just because they answer them, doesn't. we can't not ask them. We can ask them. They cannot answer it. I got an offer from an agent, and I called him, and I was like, have you seen this property? He's yeah. never stepped foot on the property. He's like, oh, yeah, my client's seen it. And I'm like... How did your client see it? Oh, just like a blind offer? Well, no. No, it wasn't. He's like, well, my client is very, um, God, what did he say? He's very, like, basically sneaky. Like, he gets, he figures out how to get things done. And I said, are you telling me that this, your client trespassed? Or he's like, no, 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 he, he was there with an agent. So basically what happened was this guy went and saw this property with another agent, went back had some random, and I had been in contact with that agent because that agent knew this guy was going to offer. And he had told me things about that client that I knew that it was this other agent's client. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. Yeah. So I called the first agent. I'm like, bro, is your buyer's name this? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I just got an offer from him. And he's like, what the? He was so upset. Welcome to real estate. Welcome to real estate. Buyer's reps are worth their weight in gold sometimes. Yeah, did you, do you use those? Hell yeah. Damn. They're required. I, I don't do it I don't do it immediately when I show a property, but the moment I write an offer, oh yeah. I Smart. do it. Which I probably I should do it when I'm showing properties to protect yeah. protect myself more. What was the hardest deal you ever did and why? Was it because of the other agent? Was it because of like like oh, man. like tell me like a lesson that you learned. Like for instance, one time Brett Greer, we talked about him earlier. He taught me that if your buyer client is paying for a survey, you should always write it into special provisions rather than putting it on the survey boxes because he had a client who was buying 500 acres and the property wasn't surveyed and the buyer was to pay for the survey. Well, the survey got done and there was no legal access to the land. His buyer legit could not buy that property and he was on the hook for a $3,000 survey that he had to pay for. So he learned from that deal that in special provisions, you put in buyer to uh, reimburse seller for 100% of the cost of the survey at closing. And then you mark that the seller pays for the survey. So if something happens in the transaction... That's a great idea. The seller pays for the survey for the land he owns. And if you can't close it, then the buyer's not on the hook. 
but the buyer will reimburse if we can get the deal closed. So stuff like that. Yes. Uh, situation like that, if you're the buyer's agent, I mean, that rarely should you negotiate a buyer to pay for a survey or anything like that because yeah. they don't know what they're buying. Right. And that's how you negotiate that. Like, we have no clue what we're buying. And you're claiming X. Yeah. But you need to, you know, we can work on the price on that, but you're paying for the damn survey because for that situation right there. Yeah. Well, that's how I personally do it anyway. I'm sure that that's a very good, very good way to look at it. That's a great way to do it. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. Man, I was trying to think of lessons. Oh, I have one. A long time ago. So I just got my I just got my feet set, kind of, you know, was getting some momentum, getting really going in the real estate game. And um, there was a horse property. I rope a lot. So there was a horse property in Millsap. And um, I forgot the exact number on it, but this guy called me to list it. He said, I want you to, I want you to list it. And you're going, and he's helping me out is what he was doing. Um, he goes, I want 895000 for this house. The house in 10 acres or whatever, and it was beautiful. There's no way in that time, no way it was worth that. I thought it was worth five, six hundred at best. The tax rolls had a 400. I mean, mm-hmm. he bought it a year ago for like five or whatever it was. So he's but, du- he doubled the value in a year. But he made it awesome. Like oh, did it he? was it was turnkey horse property, perfect. I mean, you just unload your horses and you're and you're there. Like yeah. you have to do nothing. It was perfect. So I got. I mean, I'm going to let him list this with another agent for six months because there's no way it's going to bring that. There's no way it's going to bring that. And I told him, Man, I think I'd rather let you list it with somebody to, so, so I can prove to you the value's not there. I really thought the value wasn't there. You know what? Of course, he's a very successful 60-year-old man. Like, he's a businessman from Arizona. He's like, all right. So he listed it. And uh, oh, he listed it with Matt Colson. Mac sold it, I think, in 48 hours. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And I'm sure he had both sides. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's how that man rolls. <laughs> but uh, I called, I mean, of course, I'm, I was good friends with the seller. And, I, you know, he went, well, I did, I'm so glad you did that because I just want to teach you a very, very important lesson right now. And he, he said, you know, the people that are capable of buying something really nice will pay for it. Mm. And you always test the market if you have something turnkey ready to go right now. Because if they have enough cash and they want it right now, they'll buy it. Right. There's a different level of buyers out there. Forget what the comps say. So every since that was the probably the best lesson I learned in real estate business was, you know, I, maybe I have with the, wrong on the comps or whatever, but on on something like that, not a house in town or whatever, but like on a horse property that's very unique. Mm-hmm. Test the market. Don't be scared to test the market. You'll get a listing out of it. Granted, granted, I mean, there's agents that have a lot of high priced properties. But they also sell high-priced properties. Right. So don't be scared to go thick on something just because it comps otherwise. Because it's hard to find perfect turnkey, especially it's horse properties. Next to impossible. They don't come up that often. And it takes a long time to build them. So and the people that are ready right now will pay for it. Yeah. So that, that was the biggest lesson. I mean, I've heard all the time, I mean, I keep, all your listings are high, Jake. I'm like, yeah. You know, we're testing the market. Like, the market will tell us where we are. Don't be, I mean, don't be scared. Unless your seller's like, I need to sell this in 30 days, you have a completely different conversation. Right. But if he's like, man, let's just see what it does. So that's, uh, that was the biggest lesson that guy taught me. Sorry, my husband's calling me again. Um, you take it. Okay. It's your show. It's okay. I could put him on. Hey, babe. <laughs> yeah, you can. I don't care. That's, that's an interesting way to go about it because, like, I'm always. I'm very data driven, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't do as much horse and, you know, farm and ranch as you do. Yeah, I mean, it's different. Do. I mean, 
It's, it's a little bit different for slot and blocks, right? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah, like, you know, I'll have a horse property listed or a ranch listed or whatever, and an agent will call and say, well, I pulled comps on this place. No, no you didn't. Like, you actually, they don't make twin sisters. And, right, exactly. Like, like, I don't even know if a comp that exists for this. And, right. And it's, like, not even close to a comp. And you have to back into it with farm and ranch. It's, like, so different. It's so different. So, even with appraisers. So, like, right now, when you do Broker Bay or CSS, you probably set up where you, the appraiser can call CSS and set up the appraisal. Yeah. I, I don't do that. I make them, I think the appraiser call me. Ah, oh, <clears> so you can have a conversation with them. And I have his number. Yeah. Yeah, so they don't like talking to you. They're not really supposed to talk to you, right? But it doesn't mean I can't talk to them. But if they want to see the property, they have to get an appointment. And I'm the only person I'll set that appointment. So I'll, I'll talk to them, and I might have an off-market comp that the sellers give me permission to use to help the sale or, yeah. or whatever the case may be. So I make them call me, and I, I'll ask them some questions. Like, this guy has no clue how to appraise a horse property. Mm. There's been certain times where I've, I've got to switch to a different – we had to push back closing, but – to get the, the right appraiser in there. You get an appraiser from East, East Dallas that doesn't know. How, how do you do that? How do you, how do you convince the bank that this is the wrong appraiser it, for it, your type of property? It's almost impossible. Yeah. It's almost impossible. So um, this was I'm done, done a couple of times. And uh, they'll just cancel the appointment how to buy a new appraisal. Oh. Uh, yeah, I've had, I've, had, I've had it happen. And because the buyer doesn't want a bad appraisal either. No, it well, doesn't. They, help, it doesn't help anybody. Think, they kind of think they do. It doesn't help anybody. But no. it's very. It's a very slippery slope. If, yeah, don't do that. Talk to your broker first before you do that. <laughs> yeah. Unless you work for Jake, but still talk to him. No, though. but there's. I mean, there's little tricks to everything that just. I mean, the, the deal is to get to the goal of the finish line because, you know, the buyer's putting fifty percent down. He wants a place. He thinks yeah. it's worth that. His agent thinks it's worth that. The seller thinks it's worth that. So an, an appraisal is an opinion of value. Like even on your place. You get 10 appraisers, you get 10 different numbers. 100%. And, and they vary so much. Yeah, especially on a horse property because they vary on adjustments. Mm-hmm. I'll see this comp and adjust at 10000 for this or 40000 for this. And one appraiser might adjust at 80000 right. or 100000 So right. it's an opinion of value. You know, what, what makes me so mad about appraisers sometimes is, say a house is three fifty, and they come in at three forty seven. That I know. Like, I, and, I, and I'll call him and be like, so you can tell me within a 0.3%, like no one's that good. Mm-hmm. You, you, no one's that. I understand you're probably dealing with government money and all that stuff, but you can't tell me without a doubt that there's a half a point difference in the contract price in your opinion of value. It's like you're not that good. They don't like that. I'll quit saying that. After a while, <laughs> but, but, you know, a lot of people will get calls, especially farm and ranch guys, they'll get calls from appraisers asking them questions about comps and somebody just drive them crazy they don't want to talk to them no, don't do that oh i be an open book to an appraiser agreed hundred yeah, percent yeah yep you learn so much talking to them too you do because like anytime an appraiser calls me i will tell them everything they want but then i'll also get to ask questions like hey i'm about to list a property that has this really nice enclosed patio like it is built nicely how should i adjust the price per square foot on the enclosed patio you know yeah. what i'm saying like, to be able to ask them questions like that. But the one thing that kills me is that there's no set standard of, okay, it has a fireplace, it doesn't have a fireplace. How much of an adjustment are they going to make for that? How much are they going to add for a bedroom or take away for a bathroom? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
those numbers vary so much that I feel like it's so subjective that they just put in whatever numbers they want to get the actual yeah. value to where they think it should or, be. Or, yeah, or one bathroom will be a five by eight, but the comp will be a you know a twelve by ten bathroom. Right. And so it's, it's it's tough. I mean, I would hate to be an appraiser. I would, I would too. Hate it. They, I would too. They literally have a kind of a hard job. I mean, some of my good friends are have big companies in, in Missouri, and they're like, it's tough. And they get yelled at a lot, constantly, a yeah. lot by us. But, yeah, <laughs> by, but there's, I mean, by banks. There, there's there's inexperienced appraisers, which is perfectly fine. There's inexperienced agents, but there's, I mean, they're just like agents. There's agents that are great, and they're not so good. But for the most part, for the most part, locally. I have a good relationship with a lot of appraisers. Yeah. I mean, but you need to. Yeah. And when they call you asking your opinion on stuff, talk to them for a while. Don't be just like, yeah, look at MLS. It's all on there. And yeah. Hey, no, don't, don't do that. No. When I put appraisers in my phone, I put notes about what they are. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, this guy, he's a Parker County appraiser, super nice, really knowledgeable. I put addresses in there. He, he appraised oh, this one? house, this house, this house. So I know oh, he, he appraised this deal. He appraised this deal. Yeah. That's what I do. My, my phone. Super terrible appraiser. Like always comes in low. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't ever use yeah, I've that got one. got a couple like that. But when they call us at the appointment up, you know who you have on the other end. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. that's just a little thing I've learned over the years. That I do appraisal packets for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, just like with the comps that I used, the adjustments that I tried to make, and then the improvements that the clients have made over the past four years. Yeah. So that they know, hey, you're. There's some agents that will put, put like say the appraisal's on Thursday, well, they'll put five or six comps on the kitchen table. Yeah. I've seen that before. I've yeah. never done that, but I've seen that. I mean, I've, I mean, I've done that before. If I if I'm not able to get a hold of them, mm-hmm. or if they don't acknowledge the fact that I, you know, sent them all the information on email, yeah, I'll I'll text them and leave them a voicemail. Hey, just want to let you know that this is this is kind of where our, you know, they thought don't process have was. With you. Right. Yeah. And but some of them are awesome. Yeah. Like, so, so at the end of the day, they're. I mean, they're. Some of them are grateful for it. Some are grateful for it. Some yeah. of them are like, "You're an idiot. I don't yeah. want to talk to you." Yeah, now you know, things are so slow for them. I mean, the, the price of an appraisal hasn't really come, come down yet. I mean, a $300,000 house with a $900 appraisal on there is kind of... It's ridiculous. It's kind of ridiculous, but... I talked to this appraiser a couple of weeks ago. She said that she's a, she's going to go to De Cordova down in Granbury. Mm-hmm. She said that she has such a hard time getting through the gates of De Cordova. Yeah. To, to go appraise a property, she's like, so she goes, so finally I took one because I hate them. And I called the listing agent and I said, if I have the slightest amount of difficulty getting through this gate, I'm canceling the appraisal and driving away. Wow. She was, she's that sick of that neighborhood and how much of Nazis they are. Give me your driver's license and go in there. You do. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And driver's license and a reason. And a reason, yeah. And they're trying to charge her as a, as a vendor. To go in. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. And they're like, well, you can't go in this gate. You have to go to the vendor gate. You have to drive around the neighborhood to the back gate, which is just, like, so ridiculous. Wow. That's interesting. What questions do you have for me? Ooh. Hmm. What do and, I have and what happened to your buyer that you were going to bring to my new build? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that after the camera's off. Are they uh, in contract already? Um. Yes. Oh, darn it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sorry. I'll give up hope on that then. <laughs> yeah. um, what, what do you do to get, let's say you're in a funk. Let's say you have three listings and nothing really going. 
like you don't have any buyers, what would you do? You, you amp up more social media? Well, that's kind of where I'm at right now, honestly, because the mm-hmm. market has slowed down so much. Um, so, yeah, a little bit, not, not so much social media as much as I used to, which I probably should be back at focusing on that. But yes, like I try to fill my time and my days with productive stuff, yes. right? So bringing the team out, videoing stuff that's, you know, new builds or whatever, um, meeting with past clients or mostly I'm just trying to figure out how the heck to get buyers in to see my listings. Yeah. You know, so actually I just bought a new course on marketing and doing paid targeted Facebook because I used to know how to do that so well in the beginning. They changed it. Yes. Yes. So it's completely different now. Mm -hmm. So I want to learn more about that so that I can get that out to other markets. Like, because yes, our, our buyers are coming from Marble Falls or Austin or whatever, but they're also coming from all over the country. Mm -hmm. So how do we target the buyers that are actually looking in our area through Facebook? Because realistically, Facebook is really kind of our demographic now. It is. You know? Yeah. So it's like one of the number one marketing tools. So how do we really implement that without having to pay multi-thousands of dollars to some freaking random marketer? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I know I can do it, right? Oh, yeah. Mostly that's kind of what I'm focusing on is just how do we get people through the door right now? Yeah. How do, how do, cause all these people, they really need to sell. Yes. And it's sitting and sitting and sitting and price reductions are not working. No. That's, that's well, what's frustrating. That's what the challenge is because the market is telling you it's not worth that. You know, it's price condition and location. But, that's is, how you it, sell a but house. is it though? See, that's, that's what scares me. It's like all of the normal stuff. Like if we're not showing, we're overpriced. If we're showing but not getting list uh, offers, we're overpriced. But is that really what's happening right now? I see your point. That's a good question. You see, because the market is just like kind of in a holding pattern. Yeah. And I have reduced price substantially on some, and it oh, has not feel, helped. I got to feel like that to help at all. Exactly. Yeah, so, so what do we do? Because open houses are dead. Like mm-hmm. all of the normal things that we do that are busy are, are not working and not bringing people through the door. Hang on. You see what I mean? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I can. So I'm trying to figure it out, but I'm, it's hard. Well, I mean, like in 2009, there was not even money to be had. Right. I mean, they had the same problem. Not this same problem, but things are still selling, but they just, I mean, they didn't sell anything. Like it stopped for like nine or 10 months. Nothing happened. Yeah. That's when I got into the business. It took me almost a year and a half to do my first deal. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard. And I don't think we're going to get quite there yet. You know, I, I mean, but to answer your question, that's, uh, you got to keep on grinding. Yeah. There's no, there's no magic lever you can pull that all of a sudden you get 40, 40 leads. Right. That's not the game right now. Well, may, and maybe if we did like a $100,000 price drop, yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's a lot of money to leave on the table when you have comps that fully support your price. Right. Right. That's the hardest part. Yeah, well, you're going to get to where those comps don't support your price. I know that's the thing. Yeah. The further we get away from those comps, because not very much is selling right now. It's what you call market correction. Yes, yeah. and 100%. That's, I think that's kind of semi where it's heading. I yeah. mean, days on market are long. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I have I have some houses that we're under contract for like 20% less than our ask. Yeah. I mean, that's, but there's also 15 more homes in that neighborhood that are for sale. And it's like, I've got to go. Yeah. Let me get ahead of them. Yeah. So those things are going to start. And that comp, when that comp hits, it's going to be a terrible comp. Right. But it's the market. 
That's exactly the right. The market speaks. That's what the yeah. that's what the buyers are saying that they're willing to pay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, a false sense that if people that own the home think it should never lose value, and that is not accurate because well, it damn sure can. In the history, I mean, it's there's definitely upswings and, and yeah. downswings, and we're 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 coming back down. Yeah, which we need to, because these first time home buyers, I mean, they cannot afford. No. 350 or 400 just to get into just a house. Just for all the reasons we talked about before. Right. That's what's causing our market to really have the clutch being pushed in. And the, like the, and the other markets are still the other markets are still rolling. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, it's, it's weird to think that we're, that we're in that position now. I don't think we're going to be in there for a long time, though. I, I seriously think if we get above this a little bit, it's going to not be gangbusters again because people are going to be more careful. But it's going to, it's, it's going to damn sure pick up a little bit. Where do you see yourself, I think, in the next in the next five years? Just continuing to grow the brokerage? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, like, personally for me? Yeah. No, I'm going to concentrate more on uh, growing my real estate portfolio. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that, just your personal holdings and things like yeah, that, your investments. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years studying just ways to do that, right? Like, I want to have a lot of them. So I wish I would have learned more about investing younger, but also focused on selling real estate. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, now I have we have you know a handful of properties, whatever. I've bought and sold a few properties, and you know, bought some commercial things and flipped them and things like that. And that's a lot of fun. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot easier than uh, chasing deals. Put it that way. Yeah. So you get to where you can kind of play with your own money, versus just pound the pavement that's kind of where i want to that's the exit strategy of selling real estate i'll still sell real estate but in terms of just grinding and that's somebody said if you're if you're in real estate but not buying real estate you're an idiot and you're doing it wrong 100 percent right because if you because if you study long enough you if you if you study the market enough you're going to see deals and you're going to see opportunities to where before i saw great deals i would be calling someone to buy that deal now I'm like, can hmm. I buy that deal? Can I make that happen? Yeah, especially yeah. if it's listed. So the, the hardest part for agents, and this is very important for agents to, to understand, is you buy an off-market property, you need to disclose what that property is actually worth in the market. So if you, if you buy, say you buy a, a house for three hundred thousand, it's worth four fifty. That's not listed. Like the state makes you disclose as a real estate, you're taking advantage of the market. So disclose to who? The, the seller? seller. Okay. Yeah. So if you personally are coming in as the buyer and mm-hmm. saying, I'll give you 300000 Yes. It is imperative for you to say to the guy, just FYI, if you were to list it, you could be able to get X amount of dollars. Or, or show them on paper, have them sign something saying that I understand that, but we're going forward like this anyway. It's some, some people just want to get out right now. That's a, that's a very, so very good point. very careful as a real estate professional buying off-market properties. If it's listed, you're totally fine. What about if you're representing... So I have a, I have a buyer that texted me out of the blue. Hey, uh, we want to see this property. I walk through it. I think I can get it for $140. First of all, what in this area? <laughs> what is $140, right? You're representing a buyer, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, it's not on market. The seller would probably be representing themselves. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, you just put you're representing the buyer only. So that's but but you don't think that I have any fiduciary duty. Obviously, my duty is to my client, the, Bingo. the buyer client. There you go. But I don't have to because I'm personally not buying it. I don't have to tell the seller, "Hey, this is way undervalued." No, but you just make sure that you, make sure that you're not putting 
you represent the seller on that deal. Seller is self-representing on the contract. Or you just put buyer's buyer only. Yes. On the contract, and that's it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is 100% it. So, okay. like, especially, like, I've had, a, I've had a deals before to where a buyer and seller will get together on a property have listed, like, a church or whatever. Show, he shows the house, they negotiate the entire deal, and then... Uh, Will you take a commission hit for the buyer's agent? Absolutely. Yeah, that's fine. We'll get the deal done, right? Yeah. But on the contract, you better, I mean, this is more of a broker thing, but you better put seller only on that. I mean, because especially if you're taking a commission hit on it, there's no there's no reason to do an intermediary and represent both sides. Yeah, there's there's so much especially risk. Especially if you're taking a hit on your commission dollars. There's our bro- so much risk. Our brokerage doesn't risk. allow us to represent both buyer and seller personally. Smart. Just because there's too much, too much risk. Too much. Yes, that's, that's a very like I've been to so many broker responsibility courses. That is, that, I mean, every broker does that differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, the state has it set out a certain way, but it's kind of gray. And I, I don't know. There's uh, it, it depends on the deal. Like there's a lot of times that there's a lot of times that that's you, you need to do it anyway. I mean, Erica's smart. Yeah, they're smart. They yeah, do it anyway. So inter- for those that don't know, when he mentioned intermediary, that basically means that one person, me or Jake, would be representing both sides. Yeah, dual, call it dual agency, I think. And the state doesn't want you to really do that. Right. Unless you seller sign off on it. Right. Buyer sign off on it. Because as soon as we do that, and we have like three different pieces of paper. If you're going to do that, you have to disclose it to everybody. There's like three different pieces of paper that everybody has to sign to understand that that's what's happening. Because the moment we do that... We can't give advice or opinions to this person over this person. Which kind of defeats the purpose. You're just pushing paper at that point. And it's kind of defeats the purpose, but like, it's, I mean, every company does it a little bit differently. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it works, but. But m- most times it's just better to. It's pretty rare that you actually do that, really. I mean, yeah. every, every so often you can do that. But what we typically do is I'll have Wesley or, or another agent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll just do it that way. And in fact, Erica's gotten to the point with that even because we had we had one situation in our brokerage where that's what happened. They kind of handed it off to another agent, and then that agent wasn't as experienced as the other agent. Yeah. And so then that buyer came back and said, "You didn't tell me I had a choice to to not use this buyer's agent. Like I could have used any agent at that point, but it made it seem like I could only use that agent. So then." That became a whole thing. Yeah, it can be tricky. Yeah, it can so be very like, tricky. She's actually looking at um, some sort of extra piece of paper that basically says, "I understand that I don't have to use this person I was referred to." Blah blah blah. But I'm going to go ahead and move forward just in case. Yeah, that's that's smart. Everything is just CYA. Every, everything is CYA. Everything. I mean, I mean, well, this contract for 20 pages now. It used to be one. I mean. Every paragraph in there, someone's gotten their ass suit off. That's right. Because they did something wrong That's or right. whatever. It can happen. She also, we had a brokerage meeting yesterday, and she, she keeps up on all the, like, okay, these lawsuits are happening now. These are happening now. And what's happening, she said yesterday, I hope, I hope it's fine to tell. <laughs> I mean, it's just a brokerage thing. But she basically said, all the offers that you write for a client, keep all of that 100%. paperwork for four years. It, not accepted. Like, these are offers that you wrote, presented, and then... Yeah. It didn't didn't come to fruition. There was no transaction. But keep all of that paperwork, keep all of your emails, because those buyers from 2021 are coming back and suing people, suing their buyer's agent and suing the seller's agent, saying, prove to me why you didn't take my offer over that offer. And suing the buyer's agent saying, you didn't adequately represent me in this deal to make it to where I could win. 
wow. Yes. I've never heard of that. I know. Like, I think it's a pretty new thing. So that's... Always somebody to blame. That's scary. And, and what are they going to gain from that? Like, you know what I mean? It could be. I mean, there's a lot of people that just go after your email insurance. Just settle. Easy mark. Yeah. That's, that's what happened to me in that. Yeah. That one time. If it happened to us before. Yeah. Freaking sucks. Yeah. It's the most stressful thing getting sued. But it, but you're grateful for it to an extent because it teaches you how to think about things and how to protect your clients better. Wouldn't you agree? hundred percent. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I've heard so many war stories on, I've heard so many war stories on that. We, we uh, a different brokerage had one that it was a multi-million dollar deal. Yeah. The seller, selling agent, asked the buyer's agent, "Is man is your guy good for it?" And the answer was, "Yeah, he's he's good for the money." And it didn't happen. And they, the seller, sued the buyer's agent for that email because the seller is like, "Okay, he told me he's good for it. We're good." And he, and he won. I don't know the whole, the whole numbers on it, but yeah, never tell him your client has money. Right. So yeah, I mean, we did get you a, personally look in his bank accounts to see that he has yeah, the money? You yeah, know? yeah, that's exactly that's. As a selling, I mean, as a buyer's agent, you're liable for everything you say, and your broker is liable for everything you say. And if you're yeah. not comfortable having it read in front of a jury, you should not put it in writing. Yeah, you don't want to send something in writing. You don't want read back to you. Right. Yeah. Always, That's always be way above board professional. Yes. Because it could come back. Yeah, I mean, it will eventually. Yeah. Everything will. It's text much the same way. They'll print those things off and they'll read them off in court. Yeah. So, luckily, I've never been inside of a court. Text is exactly, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, because all that's admissible. Cause it is. Technically, yeah. it's in writing. Yeah, it's technically it is. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, fun times. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jake, I've enjoyed having you so much. Yeah, it was the first one. I was kind of nervous. I know. So, hope I didn't screw up too bad. No, you were awesome. Yeah. You were awesome. Jake is a, he's just a great guy. He's very, very knowledgeable, as you can see. <laughs> so, uh, if you're looking to hang your hat, maybe, maybe he's a good fit. Or ask me questions. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's the, that's the funnest thing. Like, I am more than happy to tell other agents, like, stuff that we've learned you know what i mean i love it yeah. just because like it's it is a community and it is a collaboration in a sense to help you know yeah the profession just be better yeah it, it is a hundred percent like i've been at lunch before talking to other agents and another agent come by i want to just listen to your conversation i'm just kidding but you know what i mean they're like we, they, some people are just intrigued by it yeah so and i love helping them out i because I, I learned all mine kind of the hard way you know, which I, we do, yeah. Which is the best thing, actually. Yeah. I, I mean, I learn a lot of things real quick. I just think you just don't learn in school, right? You, just you learn nothing in real estate college, right? But enough terminology <laughs> to pass a damn test. I know yeah. exactly. Oh gosh, all that. Ugh, I'm so glad I'm past the school, but I gotta, I gotta finish my broker's license. I have yeah. to. Why you want to do that? I just feel like okay, so I, I have literally six credits left to get my bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. I'm six credits away from a bachelor's. And so I feel like the broker's license would be like the equivalency. Just So it's just a personal, just a personal I've reached that goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. just because I didn't finish my bachelor's degree. Yeah, I need to find a kid who needs to make some money so he, they can pass two classes for me. They're out there. <laughs> then, I would, <laughs> then, I was, then I'd have my bachelor's degree and then I wouldn't have to finish 400 more hours of education to get my yeah. broker's That's license. The only gain I had in my bachelor's degree was course my, my course was still like when i got my license it was a lot it was an eight eight week in class eight to five two months of class oh, now it's get, like what two weeks 
crash course. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, real estate's the cheapest business you can get into with the least barrier of entry. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more expensive to start a lawn mowing business than it is getting a real estate business. I, know, I feel like they should have people pass uh, an intelligence test. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, trust me. Yeah. Six. Before you can join my team, I'm going to have you take this IQ test yeah. and personality yeah, test. Common and sense test. See. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the fun part, I guess. The broker test was a little bit harder. I mean, study for it a little bit more, but it wasn't bad. Yeah. I mean, it it's bit. essentially the same thing with added, yeah, added just stuff, right? More, it's essentially the same thing with more brokerage type questions. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's been so long since I've taken it out. When I was taking my test prep class, I was in there with Wesley because he was taking his broker's class. Oh, yeah. 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 And he was like, don't do it the way I did it. Just finish your bachelor's <laughs> because yeah. it's just. Yeah. I think it was what, 900 hours. 900. That's what it wow. still is. It still is. And I think that's so jacked. So to be a broker, you have to have 900 hours of education, 12 transactions yeah. or something ridiculous. I think it's, yeah. It should be much. like. 900 transactions, and you know what I mean? Yeah, it should be something like that. Because that's where you learn, is your actual business deals. That's exactly right. But four years of experience with an average of three deals a year is insanity to me. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's it makes no sense. It doesn't work. And now think. you're going to be able to be teaching other agents if you possibly had the bare minimum? Yeah, I mean, there's there's brokers here now that I know have only done like 20 deals their entire career and they're brokers starting a company if you hear the words well jake i've been doing this for 27 years what does that tell you <laughs> yeah i don't have a fax machine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to me it tells me you probably don't know what you're doing so you have to throw around your years of experience and i may have done more last month than you've done in the past 10 years yes you know what i mean yeah, just, yeah. It's, yeah, it's interesting the people. And so, that, but some of those guys will come back and teach you a couple things too. So yeah, be careful. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. So they'll, they'll they'll bait you on a few things. You got to read the contracts really carefully. Yeah, because yeah. they know. They know. Yeah. And you should know, honestly. Yeah, you do enough deals. You should, there's there's little tricks to everything. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, I could I could talk about this for hours. I love this. It was so much fun. <laughs> well, you'll have to come back. So think about different topics and different interesting things. And if you all have questions you want us to answer next time, just drop it in the comments. Never know. And we'll get back to you next time. But thanks so much for coming. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Good. Thanks. All right. Well, cool. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining us. And cut. (laughs) That's it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for watching. Hey, if you enjoyed this show, please like, share, and subscribe. It makes such a huge difference to our channel, and it helps push it out there to everybody else. And don't forget, we're on podcasts, too, on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, like all the different places. So if you can't get in front of YouTube, totally fine. Check us out on the podcast, and you can listen to us on the go. Just type in Pair of Spades somewhere. We'll pop up. That's right. Thanks. We'll see you next time.